0: Welcome to the podcast, Commonwealth Magazine's weekly podcast about politics and policies and the people who impact and influence both. My name is Jack Sullivan. I'm a reporter for Commonwealth, and I'm joined today with, uh, by my editor, Bruce Moll of Commonwealth. Pay raises for a couple of hundred state employees are the cash equivalent of coins in the cushion in a $40 billion budget, but few issues trigger wrath among a segment of voters than when those raises are earmarked for state legislators. On the one hand, everyone wants their paycheck to keep pace with rising costs. And when an employee goes years without an increase, it can stretch the household budget and cause good, qualified workers to consider other careers. But for many looking at legislative pay hikes, it's not just about the money, or even about the money, but also the process surrounding the action that many view with cynicism, skepticism, and derision. Joining us today is a member of the state Senate, uh, Senator William Brownsberger, of uh, Belmont. He's a member of the Ways and Means Committee, which uh, voted out the uh, bill, and a vocal advocate for open and transparent government, who says there is a justification for the raises. Welcome, Senator. Thank you for having me. Um, I think we have two connected but separate issues here. Um, it, it, the first is whether there's a valid rationale for the raises, and uh, the other is the process. So, so let's talk about the rationale itself. Um, you, on your Facebook page earlier this week... Um, Website. Website, I apologize, um, said uh, um, that you would support the, uh, the pay raises. Could, could you explain to us why you think that uh, there's a justification for it? Sure, yeah, that's willbrownsberger.com is the website. So, yeah, the details
1: um, are all there, but the big picture is this. The question that you have to ask is not about an individual, it's not about Will Brownsberger, it's not about Bob DeLeo, it's not about Stan Rosenberg, it's not about any senator or representative. The question for the public is this. Do you want these positions to be positions that people can compete for, that people want, and that once people are there, they have some level of insulation from financial pressure and the temptations of corruption? And I think the answer is absolutely. You want these positions to be reasonably well-paid so that people will compete for them and stay there for a reasonable amount of time. And by the way, I also think it's important that people can stay there for a period of time and develop the expertise. I've been in the legislature 10 years. I have to tell you, I'm still learning. Uh, But I'm up at a stage where I can actually put the pieces together in public policy and make a difference, and that's what you want. You want people who come, who stay, who serve with integrity, and the best approach to guaranteeing that from a public policy standpoint is to pay the positions appropriately. Now, let's talk about what appropriate is. Let me take a little step further. Right now, there are 12,000 state employees that make more money than the Speaker of the House, more money than the Senate President. There are 33,000 state employees that, that make more than I do. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't have a problem with the money they're making. But just to put it in perspective, I mean, from a, the, the responsibilities that these positions have are significant, and the raises are very merited. And the last point that people need to really understand, people say, hey, wait a minute, a 40% raise? Are you kidding me? Now, the problem is this. These stipends this, that we're talking about adjusting for... The top leadership and for the middle management leadership of the legislature have not been adjusted since 1982. Hello? Not been adjusted since 1982. If they'd been adjusted on a cost-of-living basis, they'd be going even higher. They would be even higher now than we're proposing to raise them to. This is a catch-up thing. It's appropriate.
0: It's got to happen. Well, when, when you go back to that then, Senator, you're talking 35 years ago when the stipend was first set. Um, it, they were set below the base salary. Uh, what we're talking about, it was 35000 The base salary at that time, I believe, was 46000 35000 for the Senate president uh, and speaker. You're shaking.
1: Yes, I am shaking my head. No, the, the, the base salary at that time was $30,000 for the legislatures, and they had $2,400 in expenses. That's 1982. The 46 is the number that things had come up to by inflation by the mid-'90s. Okay.
0: Then, then what you're looking at, uh, they were still somewhat within line of it. What you're looking at now is an eighty thousand dollar stipend that's going on top of a sixty-two thousand uh, dollar base salary. Sure. And I don't, I don't think anybody will will look at it and say, yeah, nobody should work for thirty-three years without a pay increase. That just, you know, there are too many things that go up. Um, but. But the the salary itself has gone up. The base salary has gone up with
1: inflation, but that major component of their of their income, which was more than their pay originally, right? It was a thirty five thousand dollars stipend on top of a thirty thousand dollars base, has not gone up. So their pay has not co- kept up with compla- with inflation remotely. has not remotely kept up with inflation. Their overall package, and again, it's just out of line with the other responsibilities that they that they have. And these are, these are the two most significant positions. And they're right up there with the governor in terms of authority and, and responsibility, and they're, being made, they're making less than 10,000 other state employees. It's just the wrong picture. It's not what you want from the long term. I really believe that these positions should be adequately compensated to assure that people can stay in them and to assure that they're insulated from, protection, from, from the
2: temptation. So why do you think, um, given your argument, why do maybe it's just us in the press, but clearly the governor yesterday sort of indicated he didn't see any merit in this, why do people get so exercised about it? Oh, listen,
1: that? I get it. I get it completely. Look, you know, if I, I at my level of income, you know, 6 I, I make total I, I believe the number is about 74,000. Putting three kids through college, that's a lot of strain. When I look at some when I look at some anybody who's making more than me, it pisses me off. I get it. You know, I get it that anybody looks at me, I'm making 60, these guys want 90. What's what's wrong with this picture? You know, and so there's a natural reaction. But that I don't think anybody should sit there and you know compare themselves. I'm not asking anybody to compare themselves to me. I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm asking, what's the right level of compensation that that it takes to make these positions sustainable? And in my opinion,
2: these positions deserve a raise. So Jack's other point uh, about how it's done. Now, given that there's a lot of attention paid to this, I was just curious. When did you first, when did it first hit you that there was a move to do this now? When did you first learn about it? Um, Within the last couple of weeks. Last couple of weeks. And how do you learn about that? Through a caucus or...? I mean, I'm honestly trying to remember when
1: I first read learned about it, whether I read it in the press or whether I heard it in a caucus, but it's, you know, obviously there's been a lot of conversations over the past couple of weeks, but...
2: I was thinking about it this morning because... I think uh, the public first heard about it when the speaker and the Senate president issued a one-paragraph little release that said this two-year-old report was going to be there's going to be hearing on it up at, at, at the state house. Sure. But clearly there had been a lot of thinking about this and planning and preparation going on before that. Right. I
1: think, I think they've been working on it. You know, their, their staff's been working on it carefully. And yet it, it remained under the radar all that time. I guess so. I mean, but look, the that's normal for legislation. People sit down and they draft legislation, they roll it out. I mean, this re- everybody needs to re- go back a little bit, right? This report came out 2 years ago. Right. It did come out 2 years ago. The process that that those people went through was a public process. They held hearings, they had a great website. They have a great website. You can link to that from my website com. This is all transparent. What their recommendations are, it's very detailed. And in fact, the what they're doing for the Senate president and the speaker in, in, the, in this legislation is actually underneath those recommendations. Now, you can say, "Oh well, we should have just been talking about it nonstop for two years. I don't think so. Look, this is the right time to bring this up. It's the start of the session. People get their ducks in a row, and they bring things up at the start of the session. I'm fine with that. And we're going we're to address it now, and then we can move on to other things. I don't think, really, the public wants us to spend the next two years talking about our pay raises. And I don't think they'd be happy if we spent the last two years talking about their pay raises. We've (laughs) pay raises. This is a relatively minor, I think it's an important public policy issue, but we shouldn't spend the next two years on it, nor should we have spent the last two years talking about it. Let's get it done. Let's move on to criminal justice reform, which is my top personal priority. And uh, let's, you know, energy policy and renewable, et cetera, et cetera, addressing inequality, make sure everybody gets a job. There's a lot of things we need to do.
0: I think it's appropriate to do this and move on. Well, it, it, in that vein, uh, Senator, when, you know, you talk about criminal justice being you know, one of your key issues. Um, openness and transparency is also one of your key issues. You have been identified with that pretty much since you came into the yep. Senate. Yep. When when you look at this bill, you talk about the, the report and the recommendations. Well, one of the things that the, the report did not do was recommend any hikes for the judiciary. Um, they got a uh, raise about three years ago. The judiciary was added in there. Some thought, well, maybe that's just to give them cover or maybe to expand it or maybe make it equitable. Turns out that uh, you cannot, um, that judicial compensation is not subject to the initiative petition. Therefore, once this passes, it cannot be subject to a uh, ballot question. The
1: people can always put an initiative petition on the ballot if they want to. I think you're right. I'm not sure, but I I believe you're right about how the, uh, the, repeal thing would interact with this, but this does not take away the position, the ability of people to put a question on the ballot to address any particular part of these pay raises other than judicial pay raises.
0: Can you understand the cynicism though, when somebody hears that, when they say, well, the constitution says that, you know, you can't repeal it. and, And then now this is tucked in three years after they get a raise. Their compensation, I'm not as deep on the whole judicial
1: compensation thing, right? I mean, I've focused very carefully on the, um, legislative compensation. But if you look at the um, judicial compensation and compare to what, what other judges are making across the country just for cost of living, these raises will bring them up to roughly average for around, the, around the country. So the raises are appropriate for the judges. Their judges, these are numbers that are fixed by statute. This is what we should be doing is adjusting them more re- regularly to avoid them getting way behind or anybody getting way behind. So I don't have a problem with there being judicial increases in this thing. Now I want to come back to the issue of transparency. I think every legislator, you know, is going to handle this differently in terms of how they communicate their work with their constituents. But I, but I've been, but I've been very upfront, and I put it out on my website. I've, I've emailed, my, emailed my list with thousands of people on it. I've emailed other lists, to, you know, to, to let people know what we're doing here. And I'll stand behind it with the level of transparency that that I've had with my constituents, and the, and the, and, the, and that as a result of that, by the way, I'm having on behalf of all of the public. Um, You know, because people are listening to this podcast, people are seeing me on Jim Browdy. I'll stand up for
0: this. But again, and um, to give a little pushback when you talk about the process itself, there was a hearing um, on the report last week, the first hearing since it came out. And like you explained, the the report came out two years ago. Last week, they had a hearing on it. um, Very little testimony, very little uh, questions. Um, The bill. TV was there. Public was there. Anybody could have come. But Maybe. nobody said anything really that, the That's candle. their choice. That's their choice. Um, but then the bill came out on Monday, voted on on Wednesday um, in the House. Uh, today is Thursday that we're recording this. It'll be in the Senate today. It'll be in front of the governor by Friday, whether he vetoes it or not. It'll we'll be in, the governor, uh, in front of the governor today. It'll be in front of the governor this afternoon then. Um, and... It, People look at it and they say that you you wait until you know June 30th to get a lot of other things done, and sometimes even further. Yet this gets fast tracked through. Um, how how do you justify that when you look at some of your other issues, criminal justice, like, for instance? Some things move
1: fast, some things move slow. We got upskirting done in two days. People liked that. Uh, people were happy we did that. You know, and then something gets, doesn't get done. It takes too long. People think t- it takes too long. This is something that actually. For all the politics around it, this is not rocket science, right? This is not rocket science. This is not a deep and complicated public policy issue. These are a bunch of people who haven't got a pay raise in 35 years, except, you know, the base has gone up, but the the stipend is not. And and we should fix it. This is not rocket science. The things that take a while, yeah, that's, that's rocket science. I mean, you know, energy policy, that's really complicated. It's really hard to put your mind around. This is not hard to put your mind around. And so the things that are simple, and it's time to be done, are done quickly, and that's the way it should be. That's what you want from your legislature.
2: What's your take on Governor Baker? He sort of hinted yesterday that he'll join his Republican colleagues in the legislature and and oppose this. Uh, do you think that's just pure politics, or
1: you know, I I I, uh, I think the governor. I have a ton of respect for the governor. He has his right to his opinion. Uh, you know, he does his job. I do mine. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to accuse him of playing politics with us. Uh, you know, he, he may have a heartfelt conviction that these you know a difference of opinion.
2: A little bit off the beaten track, I'm curious, we came back to this session, and, you know, last session, the Speaker and the Senate President seemed to have a—and the Senate and the House quite often seemed to have a prickly relationship, you know, fights over committees and everything, and the two leaders seemed to sort of bury the hatchet at the beginning when they agreed on how legislation was going to move and everything, and now it it may be just me, but— on this issue and marijuana and a handful of others where they've taken action fairly quickly r- toward the end of the last session at the beginning of this, is there a new sort of House, Senate, or more cooperative? Or what, what do you sense?
1: No, I honestly think they have. I think they've been working really hard to you know build trust, build, um, build understanding on a variety of issues. I've seen that on the criminal justice issue. I'm really hopeful that in the coming, uh, you know, over the, the, this, this coming session and a series of measures, we're going to do some significant things in criminal justice. And I think, you know, we've, we've had that, that CSG process, which has had people, you know, face-to-face talking about issues. And, I've, and I'm sure they've been doing that in other forums and just, you know, developing the really, the kind of relationship that you want them to have, which is, you know, a relationship. and you no, know, we don't always agree, but we're going to work together. We're going to work things out and, and move forward together. So I'm actually very pleased to see that we worked out the, um, the rules issues, and squared that away, so we're starting the issue, you know, we're not going to start the year with a big fight over rules. I mean, again, is that, that's, that's what you want from your legislature. You want them to work together.
2: It is what you want, but it seemed like there was a pretty wide gulf uh, last year. Uh, and not just between those two people, but the Senate and the House in general. Is there
1: you know what? I, I, there's uh, that's media, that's staff. Uh, you know, I, I've got a I, I've got a wonderful relationship, and I've always had a consistent, wonderful relationship with each of the reps. You know, who who represent the same people I do in my district, and I and I think you know that's not everybody. Every relationship goes up and down, but I, I don't think there's some.
2: No, no, I'm not suggesting it's a personal thing. Yeah. I'm a, it's an institutional thing. You know, a lot of bills the House would just hold on to until the very end of the session, and then. And let the Senate sort of scramble at the Latin the energy bill. It well, sure, it no, sense? that's
1: one of the big things that was subject to negotiation. We didn't want that to happen anymore. So, one of the significant thing is we now have the uh, the rule ten date is moved back into February, which in effect gives you if if, if bills are going to come out in March and you're going to have to get them done by July, you know, bill, you know, from committees. That's what is that April March April May June July. I mean, you, you basically added six weeks. It's like thirty. I don't know, 20% more time, uh, less right. crunch time in an agreement that you're not going to be appointing conference committees in the last two weeks of the session. And so forth. so there is a movement in the direction
0: of trying to get things out earlier. And, and that's what you want. You want that collaboration to occur. And the, and the Rule 10, just for uh, people who aren't familiar with it, Rule 10 means uh, that, that's when bills have to be reported out of committee. By to-
1: committee. I mean, you know, the, this, the cycle is everybody files their bills. We just finished that part of the cycle. It's a two-year cycle. We just finished filing bills last week. Then committees, you know, we're going to go through the, we're going to go through this pay thing. We're going to get that out of the way. We're going to approve the rules. And then committees are going to be set up. And then, uh, I mean, committee chairs are going to be appointed. And then they're going to start negotiating about their calendars. They're going to go through all the hearings, which in my committee, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to be reappointed as judiciary chair, you know, handles about 1,000 bills, 800 to 1,000 bills. And there a lot of them are emotional, so we have to have a lot of hearings, and it takes it takes the better part of a year to get through that And,
0: and, just one and, then, final and then you
1: get to the March, then you get to that
0: February March timeline and try to get the, the, the ones that are really going to move forward out so Just one final question here, Senator um, you would you've spoken a couple of times about um, the need to to get this done, get it out of the way, going back on the uh, uh, pay raises again, get it done, get it out of the way. Yes, yeah. it's, it's simple uh, and then move on to other things. Do you think it's that simple to do that, or, or is that wishful thinking on your part? What do you mean? Uh, do you think that that the voters and and will will let it go? Will not? Uh, you know what? I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm the. I I hope that
1: that people really look at it. They see the merit of this. I see the merit of this. I didn't come in assuming the merit of it. I I came in with a lot of the qualms that people have. I get it completely. I mean, it makes me sick to take any money when I think that anybody's thinking, you know, that, that anybody's struggling at all, any place. But you know what? At the end of the day, I, I sort of realized this is not about me. This is not about my feelings. This is about these positions. And why do you want to treat these positions? And do you want them to be solid positions where people of integrity can continue to serve for a period of time? And I believe that that is the right thing to do. And I hope people can see it. I don't know that they will. We'll find out.
2: So if the governor vetoes the, the bill... Do you expect the House and Senate to move very quickly to override it? Well, I don't know what the timeline is, but I would—we'll see.
0: And do you think that the veto in the House, they've got about a nine-vote margin, and I would assume that it's probably going to be fairly, uh, fairly wide in the Senate as well. Do you think they'll hold? I'm not in the vote tallying role, but I—but I do sense a good
1: amount of support.
0: Well, thank you, Senator. We appreciate it. Um, that's it for this week's edition of the podcast. I'd like to thank our guest, Senator William Brownsberger of uh, Belmont, for coming over. Thank you, Senator. Um, you can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud or download it on iTunes, or just go to our website at www.commonwealthmagazine.org and click on The Fish. And just to repeat, if you want to uh, check out uh, Senator Brownsberger's uh, website, it's willbrownsberger.com. Um, my name is Jack Sullivan, and for Bruce Mole, I want to thank you for listening, and join us again next week for another episode of the podcast.
1: You never give me